I first want to talk about an issue that I hear a lot. A lot of people say, Avi, where's the red line? Has to be a red line, right? Everybody nems on, assumes. Everybody assumes that there has to be a red line. So right away, Avi, where's the red line? So first of all, let's understand in a deep way to understand what this concept, what they're really saying. They're saying, when can I kill somebody? You know, when can I throw them out? When can I discard them? When can I give up? That's really what the question is. There has to be, any mahalach has to have a time that you give up on the kid. So first of all, I have an issue with that because so many parents came to me after everybody gave up on their kid. And we've proven that you never give up on a kid because you never have to give up on a kid. Even Yishmael, that Hashem himself said to throw out of the house, did shuva, and the Medrash says that he's in Shemayim and Ganeid and learning with Avram Avinu. So even Yishmael, a murderer, a rapist, bad guy, bad guy, right? Really bad guy. And he did not merit to live as a Jew, but even he did tshuva before he died. Esav did tshuva before he died. So we believe in eternity, which means they're going to be in Ganeidin forever. So why would you ever think that there's going to be a Jewish person, like the Chazanish said, after Mountain Taira, there's no question. Every Jew was by Mountain Taira. Why would you ever give up on anybody? And look how many people came here that my Das Torah gave up on, my Mechanach gave up on. They, they threw him out of yeshiva, they threw him out of camp, they threw him out, gave up, gave up, gave up, gave up. We went to the professionals on the street, they gave up, and now Baruch Hashem, they're from today. Why would you give up on anybody? So the concept that we have to have a place that we're going to give up on somebody is not an actual real thing. The red line is really showing our own incompetence, our own limitation. My red line is where I, my skills can't save the kid. Somebody else's red line is where their skills couldn't save the kid. So these kids were in school. There was a red line drawn. I mean, the school did not know how to save that kid. Not necessarily the school's fault. The school is not a hospital. But that's their red line. You did this and this and this. We don't know how to save you. Actually, very interesting. I'm always sending out stories of all the gedalim that when kids stepped over the red line, they always bent the rules and saved them, like we had the story this week. I mean, constantly, constantly, I'm putting together a whole book of them. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories of every single gadol. The red line was put there so everybody knows, normal people know, not to cross over, right? You put a sign, wet paint, so normal people know. But you're always going to have somebody that's going to touch that wet paint, right? And then what, you chop off his arm? Then that's where chinuch comes in. To be mechanach those that the rules are not going to save them. Let's go a little bit deeper. So you have over here the red line of the yeshiva that the kid crosses. That means he's lost forever? No, it means the yeshiva's regular rules and structure can't apply to that person. Then the kid starts hanging out on the street, and they help those kids that the yeshiva system gave up on, but then they have a red line. That means that the kid is lost? No, it goes to the next level, the next level, the next level. And then you have people, a lot of people, who are dealing with the kids that everybody gave up on. So what does red line mean? Red line means when a person says, says my skills are limited, I don't know how to help, how to get through to this kid. I don't know how to, how to carry this kid from his dysfunctional state and sick state to being erlich and happy and from and being alive and clean and all of that. I don't know how to do that. That's called a red line. So where does a real red line exist, the concept of a red line? Imagine that there's a whole new class that graduated medical school. They're all going in to be doctors. And one of the students asked, before I go to the hospital, I have a question. Where's the red line? When can I disconnect the respirator? When can I give up on a patient? Did anybody ever say that? Did anybody ever think that? 
You're a doctor. You're here to save lives. You will try until the last drop of effort and blood that you have, and then you'll cry if you didn't actually have the skill to save the patient. But if you go in there saying, so uh, when can I actually uh, pull the little plug thing, you know, charge my phone in the outlet, then you're not a doctor. You see people trying to save lives, they're doing CPR, and they say the patient is dead, and they don't stop. And some of them actually come back. But they don't stop. The doctor is going to use all his skills that's humanly possible to save a life. A doctor that goes in there and says, when can I, uh, where's the red line? How, when can I stop? When can I give up on a patient? Is by definition not a doctor, not someone who's there with the right intention of saving lives. It goes even further. It says in Higadati Hayoim, a sefer from Rabbi Avram Erlinger in Bnei Brak, that a mechanach came to Rabbi Shlem Zatzal. Shlem was a master mechanach of the last generation. And he was talking to him about his tafkid, that he's going to be mashkiach in the yeshiva, and he asked Rabbi Shlem as the mashkiach in the yeshiva, I'm going to have a lot of responsibility. Here's my first question. When can I throw a kid out of school? Shlaim Avabu looked at him and said, that's your question? You're not a mechanach. That's your, that's your daiga. When can I give up on a kid? When can I give up and throw a kid out to the street? Do business a mechanach. You're something else. We don't know. That's your job. When can I give up on a client? Maybe. When can I give up on a child? That's what you're coming in here with? Never. It doesn't mean it's never going to happen because you don't have all the skills of Rav Steinman and the Satmar Rebbe. You may not. You may have limitations that there are some kids that are going to slip through your fingers. Nebuch. And you'll cry and you'll fast and you'll look for all different ways. A Mechanach in Eretz Yisrael told me himself. He has the yeshiva, Keser Torah. And he told me the story. There was a kid in his yeshiva that was struggling. A Rebbe, the Rebbe had a lot of trouble with the kid. And one day, the Rebbe finds in the middle of Shir, in the classroom... In the, right under the desk, the kid is watching a movie. Not a good thing. And he tells the Sashashiva, enough is enough. You've been forcing me to work with this kid already for a whole year. I tried everything. I've been very patient. Either him or me. We're done. I cannot be teaching while there's a kid watching a movie in class. And obviously, this kid is so bad, I can't deal with him. Either him or me. So he said, listen, we have Riff Steinman. He was alive in those days, right? Let's go to Rav Steinman. So he went to Rav Steinman. Rav Steinman said, I hear the problem. You know what he told him? This kid obviously cannot be in a classroom. He can't be in class. You're right. Cannot be in class. So, I want you, the Rebbe, to learn with him second Seder every day and ask the second Seder Rebbe, whose job is to come in the afternoon, in the morning he learns some kailul or something, whatever, he should learn with him morning Seder for one month. At the end of the month, see what happens. What do you think happened at the end of the month? They liked him. He responded to the personal attention. He was appreciative that he wasn't thrown into the street, right, to become just another statistic of a kid. Rav Steinman Zatzal, like all of the G'daylam, hundreds of stories from Al-Lekraizen, doesn't matter. They always figured out a way to save the kid. When is the, where is the red line? When can I throw out of a kid? That's not a sprach. Which parent is going to say, when can I do a, pull out the respirator on my child? It says in Ishlar also from Rishlaim of Alba, he says that a yeshiva has to check. To be makabal a Talmud into a Maisid, you check the Talmud if he's matim, if he's fitting for the Maisid. Mechanach amiti, makabal a Talmud al-atzmai, lasais oisai b'chol ha-matzavim shaloi. 
A real mechanic, when he's mechabal, like the Chazanish said, you don't have to take every single kid into your Maisid. You have a certain kind of style. But once you take him, you can't get rid of him. Says Reb Shleim of Abba, a real mechanic, when he takes a Talmud, he's going to carry him through all of his situations. In kol ha-bayot, all of his problems, v'achul shaysen weaknesses, v'hamashperim shalayim breakdowns. V'gam im kol ha-chatoim, shuhu alu lasois. And including all of the sins, when he's yours, this is your project, this is your child, right? You have to have even more than covered for yourself. It means that this is, this is like a, a partnership. When you get a kid, right, as a, as a Rebbe, but a Rebbe, you have to understand, that it's a different sugi, a different speech for Rebbeim. They're mamish great these days. I find that they're really upping their skills. They're trying their best. But I'm talking about the, the yeshiva, the idea of the yeshiva, and I'm talking about the home. But listen to what he says. Before you are done, before you judge in a moisid, to throw a kid out, you have to look at it. He wrote this many, many years ago. It's a dine nefashis shaila. It's not just very simple. He says there's a problem that that schools get rid of kids. Said you have to be so careful. And, and that was like 30 years ago. Today, in our dar, he might go off the derech. So we have to understand that now we are the life preserver for these kids. And dealing with these kids means that we can't let them slip through our fingers. So it's not when can I get rid of them, when can I get rid of them, never. Never. You have to hope and pray that you have the skill. And there were so many tzaddikim, like we've said stories of, that if they felt that they could not handle the kid in the school, they would fast. They would have a tightness. So many stories. Then he says, the words of Rabbi Yitzchak Blazer, Zatzal. Just like a ganif, you find somebody who steals. This is a shochan aruch. How to be mechayefim? So too, loy al kol chait magiel yelled gerishin. So too, not for every sin does a child get gerishin, divorced from the yeshiva. Mechanach kol ish tzibur chayev liyos rachum vechanon erech apayim v'rav chesed noisei avoin v'fesha v'chato. That's every single mechanach has to be that. Those are the tools. So the training of a mechanach, and especially of parents, is being a rachum, a chanon, So let's look at Hashem. Let's look at the way Hashem teaches us what He's going to do when we cross the line. Amir Rabbi Yechanan, the Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah. Rabbi Yechanan says, if the Torah didn't tell this to us, we could never say this. This is from, I'm plugging my book, GPS. This is a very big part of GPS. Hashem took like a talus and he was mis'atif. He wrapped himself up like a shliach tzibur. And he showed Moshe the Seder at Tfila, And he told him, he told Moshe a secret. Whenever Klal Yisrael sins, Yasu l'fanek a Seder azev ani I'm telling you, get out of jail card. Whenever they really, really, really mess up, right, then this is what you do. He doesn't talk about tshuva. He doesn't talk about tshuva. When, when Moshe Rabbeinu said, Mecheni no, Vemai, Mecheni no, Mesifrecha, he didn't say about tshuva. He said, you have to forgive them because you have to forgive them. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu the secret. Whenever they are going to sin, really bad, and you don't know what to do, and you can't fix the problem, this is the secret code. And then he teaches him, Hashem, and then there's a line. What's the line called? That's a psikta? No, psik. Right? A line. It says Hashem, there's a line, and then it says, Hashem, Keo, Racham, Achan, and Erech, Apayim, Ravches, the 13, Yud, Gimel, Midas, the 13 attributes of mercy. Now listen to this. It says the Rebbeinu B'chayi, the first time it says Hashem, it says it twice. 
The first Hashem is Etzem Veloimida. The Etzem essence of God is that He is Yudke Vavke, Midas Arachamim. In other words, that's who He is. There might be times for Midas Adin, there might be issues and Mishpat and all of that. But what is Hashem Be'etzem? He's not a meanie. He's not that tough high school principal running around with a rod. Right? Now think about it, because we're going to apply this to ourselves. What are we Be'etzem? Hanhaga, we can have different Hanhaga. But what are we Be'etzem? We be'etzim have to be like Hashem, as we've spoken about. Yud Kevavke is the etzim of Hashem. He's not neutral, and he has two ways of dealing with us, with rachamim or din. He is be'etzim rachamim. Then there's a line. And then, Hashem Hasheni Mida. That's his character trait of how to deal with us. V'hu midas harachamim, Yud Kevavke is rachamim, b'loi tshuva, this is what the Rebbeinah B'chaya says, without tshuva, without asking. Like a merciful father, who has mercy on his child, he knows what he needs. A father knows what my kid needs, I'm going to give it to him, even if he doesn't have to ask me for it, even before he asks me. So now, who needs mercy? Who needs Hashem to have mercy on him? Everyone. The tzaddik, who didn't do any sin, does not need specifically mercy. The people who need the attributes of mercy is everyone, because without sin, right, you can have me the sadin. Right? Who needs mercy? Who needs me the sarachimim? The person who sins. So now let's understand. There's a Yud Kevavke, who is Hashem? Hashem is Rachamim. And then there's a line. Because when we go over the line, that's when Hashem begins to treat us with Rachmanus. He starts off with Yud Kevavke, with Rachum, with, with Rachmanus of mercy, and then he has Rachum and Chan and Erchapayim, as we've spoken about the Yud Gimel Mitzrachim. All of the Yud Gimel Mitzrachim is only Hashem dealing with problem kids, with issues, with challenges. When we don't listen to Him, and not listening to Hashem is a lot worse than anything our kids are doing to us. Hashem even gives us the energy, and we sin against Him, as we've spoken about. So here's the beautiful thing. There is a red line. Where's Hashem's red line? I once told somebody a shtickle sharf. He said, so where's the red line? I said, Where do, where's your red line? Where do you want the red line to be with Hashem? Don't tell me you don't, never did anything that crossed over the line. Don't tell me you're the ain tzadik ba'aretz ashiyatza toivaleyachta. You're the exception. You're the tzadik. Where would you like your line to be? Your whole life, everything that we have, is living off of the other side of the line. But for this kid, you have to have a red line? Who said there has to be a red line? Whoever heard of such a thing, that there should be a concept of a red line. A red line is where you personally give up. Right? The teacher who gives marks to a class of kids is marking his ability as a teacher to get the information to each child. One kid, the teacher gets 100, because I got 100% of the information to this kid. Probably the easy kid who just, whatever you say, he gobbles up and he remembers. And this kid, I was only able to get him 40% of the information this week. The mark is for the teacher, of how skilled the teacher is in getting the information into each child. And I've had kids, and I'm sure we've all had kids, who one year was struggling, and then all of a sudden the next year it's harder material and he's getting hundreds. Because that teacher had more ability and skill. So when that teacher said, your kid got a hundred, I'm like, you got a hundred. You're amazing. 
you got 100% of the material into my kid. And the guy last year could only get 60% of the material into my kid. So we're not judging the kids, we're judging the ability of the Rebbe. Because every Rebbe has to realize that if you get into the classroom and you just close your eyes and talk, and everybody listens and you leave, that would be wonderful. But that's not reality. The reality is this one is traumatized, and this one is spacing out, and this one is having trouble at home, and this one didn't sleep at night, and this one his parents are fighting, and this one doesn't have money. There's problems in the world, and a Rebbe's job is to get the material into every single kid, and it's a very tough job, as I've spoken about. I have utmost respect for the Rebbeim who are doing it. Super, super hard. There's no red line. Now, in Home Sweet Home, I took kids who everyone had red lines already, like 30 of them, they were thrown out of school, 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 school. I had one kid, he had a song. He was thrown out of 13 Meisters in high school. He did the tour, and he put it into a song. Mr. Gene, Bob of Satman, he had like a whole song, See the Shaboy. Right? So he was thrown out of that, and he was thrown out of every 17 different camps, and he was thrown out of his house, and he was thrown out of his car, and he was thrown out of his house, and he was thrown out of his family, and he was thrown out of everything. So he's passed the red line of everybody. But that was my entrance. So your red line doesn't have to be my red line. That was the entrance to get into Home Sweet Home, was to be that type of kid. And he did wonderful. He did what? He's such a man. He's such a wonderful kid today. So the question was, where's my red line? Now that's tricky, because I knew, I felt like Rav Shlem who said that when, before you throw your kid out, it's a psakt in mothers. I knew that if I throw kids out of Home Sweet Home, for breaking rules, for crossing the line, that's really, this, at that point, I didn't know where they would go. I could not afford to let any neshama pass through my fingers. But there was a problem. It's going to sound surprising. The kids in Home Sweet Home did not listen to rules. It wasn't a shock. I mean, that was the way to get in. So if you have to have certain rules. We had a lot of rules, but I didn't expect them to listen to it. When they broke the rule, I wasn't angry. I was like happy because I was going to show him the tikkun for them is now that you broke the rule, let's talk about it. And that's how I was able to help them. Of course they're going to break the rules. If they could follow rules, they never would have ended up in the home sweet home. We don't have to wait for them to be in the bottom of the barrel in home sweet home. We could start that much earlier. When a kid breaks a rule, we could sit down without anger. I've done this every kid. And I'm like, well, not every kid. Some my mamish had it easy with. Some of the mamish responded it was so good. But most of them, were quite challenging. And I would sit down and say, so? And they would be realizing that I'm not angry at them. I'm watching them with their struggle to do what they said they're going to do. It has nothing to do with me. Let them figure, and they're like, mm, yeah, yeah, I messed up. Okay, what should we do about it? And they're very reasonable if they're not being attacked. So I'll tell you a story. I've said it in the past, and we'll end with this. In Home Sweet Home, there was no weed around. That was the rule. And in fact, um, they went clean. Every single kid went clean the day they moved in. Most of them were smoking weed and other stuff, and they would like, on the porch, on the stairs, flick it, and then they came in. Now, it's true, they're kids, and some of them snuck in behind my back that I didn't know about once in a while, but I didn't care, because they're on a bus to being clean. By the end of the year, nobody went back to the street. Nobody went at the end of the year back to being where they were. So as long as they were sneaking it in once in three months behind my back, hoping they don't get caught, I was fine with that. I just didn't want them smoking a full day every single day like they were before. And they went clean without any help. No AA, no 12 steps. There, were, there was a group of kids, actually harder for me, that I took in from a rehab. 
and an aftercare rehab that sent me six boys, and they were part of AA. I didn't say not to go, so I worked in the program that they can go. But everybody else went clean just with us, just with us. And this kid went ahead and he smoked weed. So I went ahead, I've told a story in the past where I, I made believe, I'm not going to get into all the details, I made believe like I knew, he thought I knew, I looked at his eyes, right? But the bottom line is that I did a hair follicle test, I took their hair follicles, and I put it in a cup, and I said I'm going to test it, and I went into him, it actually wasn't the follicle, stupid me, I didn't know it was supposed to be the follicle, I just cut the hair, because I never sent it in, and I really didn't know, and it was just, it worked, hey, it worked, okay? It helps if you don't know anything. Much easier, it's better, don't know everything. And I went to him when he was in the kitchen on a Friday afternoon. He was there alone. And I went into him and I said, please tell me I'm not going to re- regret this. And I took out the cup with his name on it and I turned it over and I knocked out his hair. And then I took a scissors and I cut my hair and I put it in his cup, meaning that the test would be on my hair. And he would show up, hopefully, clean. Okay? You know, like the story of this kid, he went to this boy, he, took a, he needed a urine test for weed, and he bought some weed, like some urine, you know, off the internet. They sell, or he borrowed it, and the guy came back and said, I have good news and bad news. The good news is you're clean, the bad news is you're pregnant. <laughs> so you got to be careful whose stuff you take, right? But the idea was, and I looked at him, he, didn't, he was speechless, because I was telling him, I'm putting you ahead of everything. I told him, I'm not going to regret this, and he said no. He just was nodding, like no. And I told him, you know, I have a board. They thought I have a board. Guys, if you're listening, there was no board. Ah. I had officially a board. I never even spoke to them. Anyway, so I said, you know, I, I can get fired for this. How can I get fired for this? I don't know. I said, I can get fired for this. And I told him, you know, I'm an honest person. He said, yeah, I know. I said, this is not honest. I said, I'm willing to be not honest to save you because I care about you. Am I going to regret this? No. That was a defining moment for this kid. He crossed over the line. When kids cross over the line, that's where everything begins. Kids who don't cross over the line, you don't need talent and skill for that. Where's the red line? I don't know. Let's place one. And when they cross over it is where the mercy begins and the talent not to lose kids and the compassion and the erchapayim and the savlonos. That's where the whole chinuch or anti-chinuch or whatever we're doing, that's where the whole story is. That's the same thing with us and Hashem. Hashem has that line. I am a, I am a, a, a rachamim, yutke vavke. Please be good and listen to all my mitzvahs. But when we cross over the line, that's where he begins. Another Hashem, akel racham chanun erachapayim. And the further we run away from Hashem, the more he adds extension cords to his own midos to be even more racham. Imagine how much rachmanas Hashem has to have for someone who's sinning so much. Not a big deal. Hashem is endless mercy. Endless erachapayim. As we learned in time of Devara, all of these things, what they mean. So when someone asks you, where's the red line? My first pet peeve is, who says there has to be one? What you're really saying is, when can we give up on a child? And the answer is never. Never, ever, ever. And for every person who gives up on a kid, there's someone out there with more skill who is just going to be beginning with that stage and say, bring it on and save that kid. Because every Yiddish kid could be saved and Be'ezus Hashem will be saved. The second point is, when they cross that line, wherever that red line is that you want to place, that's where your skill begins, not ends. This is Avi Fischoff from Twisted Parenting. To be added to my broadcast, please send a WhatsApp request to 718-902-6666.